0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Bloom Podcast, a place where you can be, live, outlast, overcome, and move. Today, we welcome the Reverend Dr. Danielle Brown, and we can't wait for you to hear what she has to say. Hello, hello, hello. Hello. How are you? I am doing fantastic. I'm so happy. Uh, to have you here and so happy that you're part of the Bloom podcast. Um, Wow. Audience, audience, audience. Um, What can I say? Um, I have known this young lady for a very long time. Um, I don't often use the word proud, but uh, I will hear. Um, I really have to say you are going to hear from a woman who has just um, made a decision for God, who has carved out a life um, inspired by the will of God, and you're going to hear a bit about her story. Um, I am going to gush because I have been able to cheer for her, to pray for her, to listen to her, to watch her, um, to laugh with her. Uh, for many years now. And so it is truly a treat to have her here. So let me, um, let me kind of deal with the, uh, you know, the, you know, the appropriate stuff that you're supposed to do, right? So Pastor Danielle Brown has been uh, a part of the Christian family for as long as she can even remember life starting out at uh, the Second Baptist Church in Perth-Amboy, New Jersey. Um, she attended a Virginia State University where she has two degrees. Uh, she also attended Princeton Theological Seminary uh, where she has another couple of degrees and she's going to Pillar College. And I don't wanna gloss over this because I am a lover of education. She has an education family I have a family that is uh, dedicated to education with several teachers on both of our sides. So uh, we, we value education. Um, but I also understand that you have to be able to fight. You have to be able to be consistent. You have to be able to stand up. And I have watched her do this all her life. I've watched her conquer things. She is, uh, to go with the sea. she is comical Uh, she is consistent, she is careful, she is clear, she is committed, and um, she just, uh, she's cheerful, and she has so many amazing qualities. I could not think of um, someone better to express the growth Uh, of being a a woman in ministry. I I have many friends that are women in ministry. She is a young woman and I need you to, she is a young woman who has moved uh, in in great circles. She has some wisdom for us. She has some things to share. I'm talking a lot now because I'm getting ready to ask questions and sit back and just listen. So um, I say all of that to welcome Pastor Danielle Brown.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much. It is an honor, and, and I'm just so grateful to be able to share uh, in this podcast uh, and, and to participate with you. Uh, Minister Pam, you know I love you. I've loved you for a long time, and so <laughs> I'm so glad to, to be able to share in this time with you.
0: Yeah, it is. Um, Wow. Okay, so I'm going to jump into it. We have some, we have some Uh, We'll have some questions, but we're probably going to go back and forth a little bit. We're both partners, so so we'll try to be respectful uh, of your time. So um, share with our listeners something that you want them to learn about you.
1: Um, You know, I think what I want listeners to learn about me is... That That I love Jesus, right? Mm. Um, <laughs> I, I am a lover of Christ, and that in a lot of ways, it's not about me, right? that that what what good is it to know anything about me that does not in turn point you um, to that which is greater and that who that whom is greater? Mm. Mm. That is Jesus. And uh, I think a lot of times, uh, you know, when we are are kind of public, um, figures which clergy people are, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we're, we're public, and it's easy to get mixed in or wrapped up in the people paying attention to you. But but the truth is, I don't want people to pay attention to me at the expense of um, their growth in God.
2: Mm-hmm. Right, and paying
1: yeah. attention or knowing anything about me does not, in turn, provoke a deeper sense of um, God experience. Um, then, then it's not worth it. And so that that really is my heart's desire is that when people encounter me, that they would walk away, uh, knowing beyond the shadow of a doubt that God loves them, knowing beyond the shadow of a doubt that they have purpose and destiny, um, and and that anything is possible for for their lives. Right.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That,
1: that that is what I want people to know about me,
0: okay.
1: uh, my Jesus. <laughs> <laughs>
0: And that's a good thing. That is a good thing. And, and I, um, I think I probably know the answer, but I will based on what you just shared, but I will ask the question anyway. Now I use some words that, um, I believe, uh, describe you, but what word would you say best describes you?
1: Oh, what word would I say best describes me? Oh my. Uh, (laughs) Jovial, mm-hmm. uh, one word.
2: You or, can you
1: can take a couple. Uh, connector. I, okay. I am a connector of people, mm-hmm. um, and so so connector, jovial connector, uh,
0: versatile. Okay. Well, let me just jump in. A little- Myself. (laughs) Anybody that can go from sneakers to stilettos? Yes, that's me. Without without even uh, a question mark? Yeah, that's versatile. That's versatile. And if you ever saw her kicks, you'd probably just say, you know what? I want to shoot just like her.
1: Yeah, so I think those would be the things.
0: Okay, all right. So, um what has it been like and we we'll take a take a turn um because it's you know this is this is a big part um what has it been like um becoming a senior pastor of a church wow you know just just take some time um because you had a, a tremendous journey mm-hmm. and maybe even you know kind of give us a timeline of the things that you've experienced as you have walked through, um, you know, you are, uh, and, and I hate to put it this way, but I think this is, this is understandable. Um, you are a career, uh, in ministry and you did teach, but mm-hmm. you are a career. just kind of walk that journey was okay. uh, like, and where we are today.
1: So I, um, I was, I was called to preach at 13 years old. Um, I, I was 13 and I was at a women's retreat. At, I think it was the Tamament Retreat Center in the Poconos. Okay. And um, it was a women's retreat for the church that we attended at that time. Mm-hmm. And there was a move of God at that retreat. And in, in that move, I heard God say to me, Danielle, you'll preach the gospel.
2: Mm-hmm. It was an
1: audible call. Like I was clear that that's what God said to me.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, for years after that, I wrestled with the call. I wrestled with, um, you know, was I just caught up in the moment, right? Because for me, uh, preaching women were grown women. They, <laughs> they were not 13-year-old girls. I had some models like Dr. Bernadette Glover, who was our executive pastor, but she was grown. Um, some of the preachers that had come in to preach, um, Dr. Cynthia Hale, who is my mentor and spiritual mother, um, now as, as time kind of went full circle, she and I have developed a a really deep relationship and she's been instrumental, um, in my becoming in this season, uh, of my life. Um, Dr. Claudette Copeland, you know, they were all grown women. Um, Mm -hmm. and so this idea of a, of a 13 year old, right. Preaching this gospel, I knew that I had time,
0: but of Mm -hmm. course,
1: um, or I thought I had time to respond to God's call, right? Like I do it when I'm grown because preaching women are grown women. Wow. That is absolutely true. Right. Uh, Preaching, this business of preaching, is for uh, grown folks, right? It's grown folks' business. There, there's not room for for childishness and you know all of that. But but we'll get back to that. So um, I wrestled with the call, and as I got a little older and and you know, teenager getting ready to go to college, you know, I'm like, I want to live a little different. I, I I don't know if ministry is something that I want to do, or when I get to college, I, I want to be normal, right? Because I had been, you know, just sold out. I was in church. I, I love the Lord, still love the Lord. But, but you know, I was just kind of wrestling with uh, the, the burden of call versus the attraction of what I thought was normal, right? Normal teenagers. Everybody else gets to do this and, and yet I'm over here having to, um, you know, live like this. And so... I, um, and, and so I uh, wrestled with it for several years. When I got to college, what I thought would go away, right? The sense of, of call would just, um, disappear. Right. Because mm. Hey, I was caught up in the moment. It didn't, it intensified. Mm. I, I called Dr. Glover and had a meeting with her to talk to her about my sense of call. And, um, She basically was like, oh, about time, you know, (laughs) know, about time. She gave me a book to read. She told me to go make the dean's list and then, you know, come talk to her. And really at that conversation started my formal ministry training. Um, And the formal ministry training uh, really looked like me meeting with her at Perkins on Route 22. Every time I came home from college Mm -hmm. to, um, you know, to talk about right life ministry and i uh you know that, that's when it started so a few years after i graduated um i was licensed to officially licensed to preach preach my initial sermon was licensed to preach at that time i thought that i would like preach on the side but my goal was to ultimately be a superintendent of schools mm-hmm. um and so God had other plans though, right? Yeah. so I get my master's degree in education, I'm teaching, but this whole time, the Lord is just kind of shifting my passion and and I didn't want to just teach kids, right? I wanted to pastor them
2: mm-hmm.
1: in my prayer time, I talked to the Lord. the Lord told me I would be in full- time ministry. I didn't know when I didn't know how, but I don't leave a job without a job. that's just a conviction for me mm-hmm. um, and so what ended up happening that year, Christmas, Dr. Glover calls me. I lived in Richmond, Virginia. I'm teaching in Richmond. She calls me and she says, Hey, you know, Bishop Hilliard and I have been, um, you know, praying about this. And we'd like you to pray about coming on, coming home, coming on staff as the youth minister (laughs) um, full time. And I'm like, I don't even have to pray about it. The Lord and I have already been talking about it. And so I already know the answer is yes. Mm -hmm. Um, And so long story short, July 2006, I come home, I'm serving on full-time staff at the cathedral. I had to do a lot of rebuilding of the youth ministry there. Um, You know, ministries have ebbs and flows. And so the ministry I grew up in um, just kind of, you know, there were transitions and there were things. And so I had to do a lot of rebuilding. And so we did that rebuilding. um, and, And it didn't take long. Me to not just be doing youth ministry, I was doing some of everything. I was uh, youth ministry, youth, and, and young adults. Um, then I started to do a lot of work uh, with a fellowship of churches that our pastor um, was the head of. And Then before I knew it, I was teaching the main Bible study every week. And then I was preaching on Sundays, you know, almost every week. And, you know, the more, and and I was in seminary, I graduated seminary, um, got two two degrees from New Brunswick, then enrolled in a doctoral program at Palmer and ministry was still going. And then in the meantime, uh, the Lord just started to open doors. Dr. Hale invited me. Um, to come and preach at the Women in Ministry conference that she convenes. I'm now on the board, uh, on the uh, board of directors of that conference. Um, but she invited me to come and preach and that was like my first national platform opportunity. Mm-hmm. But after that, they didn't stop coming, right? They, They, you know, people were calling me and I was on the road and all of that. But one of the things I knew is that while my call had morphed from somebody who was just going to preach on the side and be a superintendent of schools and that this would be my life's work. (laughs) I understood that while there also was a very, you know, kind of evangelistic call on my life that the core of who I am is a pastor.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And the more I traveled, the more I understood, the more I went and I saw and I experienced the more in my heart, I was saying, Oh my goodness, you know things are changing. Yeah. Then of course, you know, Minister Pam, I'm I'm a woman, and mm-hmm. so it's not easy for women sometimes. As women, if I can just you know be honest, since yes. we're here, we might as well, right? Yeah. Sometimes <laughs> for women, we sense a call to something different.
2: Mm-hmm. And we
1: won't name it because we don't often feel that it is our right to name it. Right. Right. That that is it. my right to say that I have a pastoral call or no, in some way I'm supposed to just kind of serve in a supporting role and stay here. But that became very uncomfortable to me.
2: Mm. Um,
1: in the meantime, the Lord surrounded me, uh, Dr. Cynthia Hale. So I, I said I'd go back to her. Yeah. When I was about 14 years old. I had my first encounter with Dr. Cynthia Hale. Dr. Hale is the senior pastor of the Ray of Hope, founder and senior pastor of the Raya Hope Christian Church. And in, in Decatur, Georgia. And Dr. Hale raised up her church from her living room to just an amazing, you know, the Ray of Hope, what it is today. Yeah. Yep. Um, when I was 14 years old. Dr. Hale came to preach at our church mm-hmm. and I was a kid who served the pulpit. You remember those days. I yeah. served the altar. I did all that. So I was always kind one, of in the
0: one second, uh, just so audience, just so you know, because I didn't say it. Okay. Um, uh, Pastor Danielle and I um, uh, both attended second Baptist church, now cathedral international. So we, when I say I have been watching her, I was in church with her. I watched her. Uh, Acolyte. I watched her, I, I get probably Joy Bell. <laughs> I watched her um, move, in. I watched her come back. Um, I watched her come back and uh, was actually serving as a ministry coordinator for Cathedral International when she came back to um, be youth pastor. So I, a lot of this story I know, but I know that you don't know, audience. So I want her to have liberty to just share it because um, it is a magnificent story and I trust God that it will bring hope to some people who have been dodging and questioning. um, As you said, you know, particularly with women in ministry, it is a thing. All right. Um, and, And if you don't look the part, and if you don't sound the part, and if you don't fill in the blank, the part, whatever that is, Sometimes, uh, and if and because you have bowed down to tradition, what you've heard uh, mm-hmm. from people may not necessarily give you the segue to hear from God. So uh, I have been watching, which is why I'm elated for you all to hear the story. I have the opportunity to tell it the way she wants to tell it, but I needed to jump in and yeah. say, I've been watching this for real.
1: <laughs> right, in real time, you were watching that <laughs>
0: But um, but I want you to hear it from her and not from me.
1: Right. So as we um, so Dr. Hale comes in to the to the church, and at that time, um, you know, people were printing out like it was before iPads and stuff like that. And so she was preaching on these half sheets of paper, and something happened with the printer in her hotel. So she comes in, and she says, "Hey, can you uh, you know, cut these, organize these papers for me?" And she handed me her sermon and I cut the papers and I organized them by number and gave them back to her. That experience um, with her at 14 left an impression on me Mm -hmm. because, one, she was so kind. Mm -hmm. She was larger than life, but she walked in the room and she was so kind and she was so gracious. Mm -hmm. And over the years, I would tell Bishop Hilliard, if I'm ever a preacher, I want to be nice like her. Mm. I want to be kind like Dr. Hale Mm -hmm. and I would tell him that over the years you know here there what have you and he'd kind of laugh like you know because I guess he knew like girl you are going to be a preacher but you know for me at that point it's like if I am ever Mm -hmm. I want to be so now we fast forward um and I I reached a point in my journey where ministry got rough for me Mm. Um, I wasn't sure if ministry is what I wanted to do anymore. Okay. I was hurt. Um, I was tired. I felt that I had maxed out or I just kind of was not seeing anything else as a possibility. But, you know, sometimes we can get to this place, Minister Pam, where we just we're we're doing good work. But at the end of the day, we're not fulfilled.
2: Mm hmm. Yeah.
1: It's like, it's good work, but mm-hmm. I still can't sleep at night.
2: Yeah. It's
1: good work, but, but I still don't feel done because I'm not feeling the sense of fulfillment. And I hit one of those seasons in my journey. Good friend, um, who I did not even share everything with, you know, was praying. And the Lord said, you need to get her and Cynthia Hale, Dr. Cynthia Hale in a room together. My friend did that. <clears throat> a male, a male pastor. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he did, he, he listened to what God said and the rest was history. <laughs> so now I had a mentor
2: mm-hmm. who
1: looked like, right. Who, who, who was living out where God was taking me. Yes. Right. Another woman, a, a woman who was unashamed at saying, this is who I am. Mm-hmm. who was unashamed at showing up in the world as she was and, and was at a place where she made no apologies about it. I needed that in my life. I needed someone in my life who had walked the road that I was getting ready to walk. Even though at that time, I didn't know that was what God was you know, doing. I just knew what I was feeling. Okay. I knew what I was feeling. And so over the course of time, um, you know, and with Dr. Hale's mentoring and then other, other mentors, Dr. Elaine Flake, mm-hmm. um, Dr. Gina Stewart, their examples. You will be so surprised when people say that representation matters. That is the absolute truth, right? That it there's one thing to hear about a thing, but when you can see something in action, um, when you see folks that look like you, people uh, who are, are your gender who are, you know, like you and, and they are functioning in places. Sometimes you got to see it yeah. to believe it, see it before you can see yourself. Right. Kind of walking in those spaces. And so as these women modeled before me and mentored me and as relationship built, I'm like, maybe I can.
2: Mm. Wow. That
1: God, maybe there is something more that or might- something different that you have for me.
0: Yeah, stop stop right there. Because okay. what was that? If you can go back to that moment, what did that feel like when you said, you know what? I can do this. Maybe, maybe I really can do this. What was that like? What did that feel you know like? It was it was scary. Mm.
1: Right, because it's one thing to think of thing, but when mm-hmm. you start naming it <laughs> right now, when you start naming it, now you you, you there's there's a level of accountability. Mm -hmm. Right. That that maybe I can't I can't pastor church. I I can function outside of that, which is uh, familiar to me. When you start naming that stuff right now, there's a level of accountability like, oh, you named it. So what you going to do? Yeah. Right. You've named it. And so what things are you going to do differently? So that right. What what opportunities will you pursue and respond to? What level of preparation and training, what level of accountability now are you gonna um you know because I think that accountability is something that we set up for ourselves mm-hmm. nobody can force you into accountability. you have to yield your way
0: How, accountability is uh, because you have to submit to hearing all right what people but, have
1: nobody can force you into that. Right. That, that is a, a, that's humbling that that's, and you know, humility, I say is an inside job with the help of God. Yeah. And so now I started naming it. And then I had mentors who would not let me settle. So Mm -hmm. if I was complaining about something or, you know, Oh, this isn't right. Or I don't feel fulfilled or whatever. It's like, okay, how many times are you going to tell me the same thing before you do something about it? Right. And so it was scary. But in that process, I learned so much about God. In that process, I started to spend more time focusing on what really mattered. And and started to turn away from, from distractions and things that didn't matter, the stuff that was weighing me down. And then what happened? I made a commitment to God that, Lord, I want to be in your will. Right. Above all, I want to be where you can get the most use out of me. I want to be functioning in the ways that you have designed for me to function. Mr. Pam, let me tell you, <laughs> when I made that decision and then I submitted myself to the processing, my grandmother, before she went to heaven, told me to stick with Dr. Hale. She said, listen to what she says to you. Right. Don't don't be hard-headed. Listen to what she says. Watch what she does. Pay attention, right, and honor her.
0: Mm. Do you think anybody else could have really spoken that to you in that way, and you have absorbed and and ag- made agreement that you would do that? My grandmother. Yeah. Anyone beside her?
1: She was the only person that could have. That. <laughs> she was the only person that could have said that, and and then I trust Doctor Hale yes. with, with my soul, right, yes. and with ministry, and and with myself, and so yeah, my grandmother said it. And, and so there were some hard conversations, right? You need, everybody needs a mentor. I don't, whoever hears this podcast, you need a mentor and your mentor may not always be the obvious person, mm-hmm. right? Your mentor um, needs to be able. So we do a lot of talking about mentoring, right? Like, oh, I want to mentor. I don't have a mentor. There are no mentors. But the question is, are you mentorable? Yeah. Can a mentor tell you that you're wrong Mm -hmm. and then you don't pack up your your coat and go and never talk to them again? Right. Can your mentor disagree with you? Can your mentor tell you to be quiet and sit down for a moment and hear God, right? Give you direction that you don't necessarily, you're not ready to receive and you not go the way of all flesh. And so there was a process in that, right? Then at the same time, God sent me some clergy sisters. Mm Mm-hmm some sisters in ministry who were at the same stage and, so off, you know, same age and stage as me. Okay. And though that sisterhood was empowering and they were around me and they were saying, no, we're going to grind and we're going to be iron that sharpens iron. And then when I submitted to all of these things and, and said, God, I want to be in your will. And now I've got my mentors are in place and they're imparting and I'm listening to them. Destiny came and found me. Mm. I I didn't go looking for a church. I got a call from a friend who's not even in the state. I'll tell the story, not even in the state. And that friend said that a certain search firm uh, was looking for candidates for a church. Um, It was a major opportunity. And Mm -hmm. that my name kept coming up across the country that as the search firm was doing their work, people kept recommending Danielle Brown. Folks who I did not know I was even on their radar were recommending me to this search firm. Mm -hmm. I prayed about it. I I submitted my information. That opportunity, I did not get. It came down to me and and the pastor they chose. Mm -hmm. Didn't get it. It was a pretty long process and I felt like she, I won't do that again, right? I was a little you know, yeah, fast forward, some time goes by. I'm still not looking. The same search firm calls me and says, "Hey, there's an opportunity in in your area, and we think you'll be a great candidate." And I'm like, I don't know and I, <laughs> and, and I said, I pray about it and get back to them. and in my prayer time, Minister Pam, the Lord asked me, what is it? that you are afraid of. And I said, rejection, and I don't want to waste my time. I have time for a long process.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Long story short, I ended up, the Lord said to me, is any experience wasted if I'm in it with you? Wow! I called the people. I said, okay, I'll submit my information. Do you know, not only did I not get rejected, it wasn't a long, wrong, drawn out process. My first interview with the search committee was in March. By May, I knew I was their final choice. By August, they elected me. October, I started. And here we are. Three months in, the senior pastor of Shiloh Baptist Church, the first woman in the church's 114-year history. Here we are. But there's not an experience that I've had leading up to this day that was not valuable for this day.
0: Well, wow. and, and um, we have gone through uh, so much information that we needed to go through. We needed, the audience <laughs> needed to hear that because uh, even if your call is not to uh, pastoral ministry, your call is to some ministry. Um, if it's marketplace, if it's your family, if it's whatever it is, and you have to at whatever level it is, you have to accept that call. You know, you can wrestle, you can have conversations with God. You know, you can you can do all of the above, um, but you must respond. Right. You must and I often
1: tell people that you're going to come willing. You can come wailing. I'm <laughs> going to have God's way.
0: Yeah, yeah, and 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 so, um, and I wanna I wanna circle back uh, and, and dig in a little bit more to the mentorship. Uh, I am a firm believer in mentors. Have had them, have mm-hmm. some now, uh, and one of the things that I I say constantly when I'm asked to uh, do workshops on mentorship is this: the mentee has to be one has to be humble enough to be poured into, right. Well, as the mentor has to have the stuff that attracts the mentee, both have to happen. When we think about in my primary biblical example, and there are others, but the one that I use most often is Naomi and Ruth. Um, Mm -hmm. Ruth watched Naomi for a long time. Right. She watched it for a long time. And if you listen to Ruth's dialogue, she picks up the dialogue of a Jewish woman, Mm -hmm. although she's Moabite. Right. She picks up what the Jewish people do. How did she do that? She watched her mother-in-law. And when it came down to the end, she said, you know, Orpah looked at Naomi. Ruth looked at Naomi. Orpah, we don't know what happened to her, but I would just say, bottom line, Ruth, what Ruth had to offer was not attractive. I'm sorry, what Naomi had to offer was not attractive to Orpah. But it Mm -hmm. was Ruth. And so, you know, when you when you're like your people will be my people. I will I'll I'll be buried where you're buried. Your God will be my God. When when your God was, you know, uh, a pagan um, deity, uh, idolatrous kind of situation, and you say, no, I'm putting all that behind me. I don't know what is before me. I've been married. I'm now widowed. Widowed. You're widowed, but I'm going to keep following you. She was ready to be poured into, and when. Uh, Naomi says, don't call me that, call me bitter. Mm-hmm. And Ruth says, well, whatever you, you could be uh, bitter. You could be Naomi, but I'm going to be following you. How about that? Mm-hmm. She was ready to be poured into. Right. And so you. Then,
1: but then there's also this. Mm-hmm. Is that I don't, I don't, so I don't fault Orpa, right? Nope. We don't know what happened with her. Nope. And it could very well have been that that was not her mentor. Exactly. Right? That Naomi, but she might not have been the one for her to follow. Maybe her destiny did not call for her to go um, in the ways that it did for Ruth, right? Exactly. So I think that understanding that too, when it comes to the mentor-mentee relationship is the right one. Everybody is not called to be your mentor. Everyone is not for you in that way. Um, And sometimes we think that you know, we we're obviously attracted to the people who are popular, right? Mm-hmm. We're obviously attracted to people who are doing big things, right? We everybody wants to be mentored by by the most popular people. It mm-hmm. may not always be that. You right. you'd be surprised the value and the growth that can come at the feet of the church mothers yes. whose names people don't know. Yes, you know what I'm saying. Yes. Um, I think understanding too who who is. To be your mentor, and that I don't think is a forced relationship. I think it's got to be organic and God ordained. Yes, and with some very clear understandings and and boundaries, and you know expectations and things like that as well on both ends. Yes,
0: yes, absolutely. You you you, you can't you cannot force this. You cannot force this. So, um, you you have spoke to. Um, some of the mentors in your life and you have really uh, in some ways answered this, but I want to ask you directly, what has been the value um, of the mentors in your life?
1: Oh my goodness. Um, You know, the mentors in my life have made the difference. Mm. You know, I come from a strong and a good family. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and so there were already some things, I think my parents did their job. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of rearing me and things like that. But in ministry, the mentors have made the difference because there's some things, you know, in the spirit, things about ministry that my family, because they're not in ministry, they're church <laughs> people, right? But they're not in ministry, wow. um, would not have understood. Uh, there's some some journeys, some things that they could say and that I could hear from my mentors that, that I'm not sure um, would have, even been source of conversation. Um, otherwise, mm-hmm. uh, the, the the ability of my mentors to discern, um, encourage, and even model. So I'm a person that learns a lot by watching, okay. right? So I, everything that I learn is not necessarily taught.
2: Mm-hmm. A good
1: amount of it is caught. Mm-hmm. Um, and so having access to those mentors and being able to see, um, their their lives from from multiple angles has also been um, helpful and it's been a blessing to me. Um, their presence in my life and knowing that they want what's best for me has also been a source of encouragement because when I can't encourage myself, right? I just I remember that there's some folks that are are counting on me. Yeah, you carry out not necessarily do something for them, right? That's another um, thing I wanted to like just kind of. Establish a caveat, right? Mm-hmm. Is that while the mentoring relationship is one of mutuality and reciprocity, right? Yes. Sometimes people get it wrong and think that because they mentor you, that you always have to be paying homage to them, right? Whether it's giving money, sowing seeds, like you always have to do something for them, right? Um, and and I think that my mentors, the blessing with them is that they didn't have dog in my fight other than the bigger picture mm-hmm. is that they love God and ministry and they want to see ministry done well for more than one generation.
2: Mm-hmm. Yes. Right.
1: And, and I have just so happened to emerge as one who also loves ministry and loves God. Right. And so while they love me, they all, they love the bigger picture. And so it's never been about what they can get from me as much as how together Right. We can serve the Lord's church and, and establish the kingdom of God um, mm-hmm. in the earth together. Right. Yeah. So I think that's important, too, that that I, I think with your mentors, you have to have a common goal. Right. It's not about either of you, but but good mentors. You There's something that you have in common. Right. A passion, a conviction, a principle. Um, as, as well. But my mentors have definitely made the difference, especially in. Delivering me from where I was to where I am.
0: Excellent. Excellent. And I I hope you're hearing that uh, for those people who don't have mentors. um, I I hope you hear the process that it's, it's, it is not, don't just go out there and pick someone because of popularity, because Mm -hmm. of ability or any of those things. But um, I have found that mentors show up in my life, and I show up in the lives of um, my mentors, and the same thing with those who I mentor—they show up in my life, and um, and and there's there may be again some process, some watching, some mm-hmm. you know, as you said, it, it was just properly cutting the papers, being obedient and humble, and properly cutting papers and giving them back to the preacher. That has started this mentorship with you. So sometimes you don't know what it is, but uh, but it is. So so don't be desperate, but uh, but understand that that mentor, and for some of you, that mentee is coming your way. So um, just on that, um, well, this has been amazing, and um, we are going to close out with two more things. Um, the first is the theme of this season is the comfort based on the the cookbook that I just released. Mm-hmm. And we want to talk about um, comfort. There are different, you know, very similarly to uh, many words in the English language, there are nuances uh, as well as very different meanings of a word. And so comfort is no different in that. And so there are A few things that uh, we list here, and I just want you to pick one and expound on what you think about it and how as as it relates to the word comfort. And so there's ease or relaxation. um, There's complacency. There's care and healing. There's assurance and there's community uplift or outreach or peace so uh which of those would you like to talk about and deal with a little bit with our audience
1: um can you repeat them again
0: sure ease or relaxation Mm. um, complacency care or healing community uplift or outreach or peace
1: (laughs) oh I think peace.
0: Okay. Okay. Well, tell us about peace and
1: because in this season of chaos, (laughs) seriously, for the last two years, come, yeah, coming up on almost a full two years in March. Right we have been in a global pandemic mm-hmm. um, before we were in a global pandemic. Uh, we were in um, that political situation that, mm-hmm. that we had for, for the years before that.
2: Right.
1: We have been almost a full eight years, at least a nation in chaos. hmm two years a world in chaos, interruptions to our regularly scheduled programs, interruptions to our family engaging, you know, our family dynamics. Yes. Holidays interrupted. Uh, It's been chaos. Peace in the midst of chaos is a necessity. And one of the things that I think we have all had to figure out how to do is to create and curate places of peace in the midst of all that is going on around us. Yeah. The social change, the uncertainty that, hey, it looks like people are getting vaccinated. COVID is going away. Boom. Here it's back. Omicron. <laughs> you know, you look up. Everybody got it. How did you get it? I don't know. I got it. Who, what, where, right?
0: Absolutely.
1: And you curate your own place of peace carve out peace in the midst of chaos and that requires um, some special skills it requires uh, a connection with the higher power i I believe that everyone who is listening or largely your audience is christian because i know who you are (laughs) Um, but there may be some people that this podcast stumbles upon who don't believe in the same way right that you and I do. But we also know that there is no way to peace without uh, the one who is greater, yeah. the creator of, of all humankind. And it is through God, right? That we can get and draw from and 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 receive, right, our peace.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: The scripture tells us that he gives us a peace that surpasses all understanding. Yes. The um, scripture tells us that Uh, He will keep us in perfect peace if we keep Mm -hmm. our minds stayed on him. Yes, yes. This is the season to not only curate your peace, but once you curate peace, protect your peace. Yes. And so if that means turning off the television so that you're not bombarded by news, Mm -hmm. bad news, Mm -hmm. if it means making adjustments to how much you're on social media so that you're not ingesting bad news and bad energy conflict. Right. If it means that you've got to make some hard decisions about relationships that, that you maybe in some ways they're good, but overall they are not conducive for the kind of peace that you need to have. You've got to do those things, make the hard decisions, do the work. Uh, yep. So that you can curate, curate your places of peace. Um, peace is will give way to health.
2: Mm.
1: Peace will give way to wholeness. We like to talk about being holy, but I don't think you, you're not holy if you're not whole. <laughs> right? You're not H-O-L-Y. Right. If you're not W-H-O-L-E.
2: Yes, yes.
1: And peace has a big is a big part of wholeness. So that's what I have to say about peace. protect your peace, curate yeah. peace and yeah. then once you do, protect it because yeah. it's that that will give us longevity. It'll make a difference in the long run.
0: Yes, absolutely I love that I love that. Well I and then uh, now we want to give you the final word. Uh, anything that you want our listeners, you know, what, what is the final thing that you want to leave with our listeners? Now that peace part was amazing, but if there's one more thing that you want to say, what would that be?
1: I just want to reiterate, protect your peace, curate it, protect it. And then remember that you're not in this world by yourself. Um, that That's a big part too. Um, you're not in this world by yourself. And God will send the people you need, the word you need, the substance you need, the resources you need, when you need them. It may not always be on your schedule, but take peace in knowing that it will absolutely be on God's timing and God's schedule. And have an amazing day. Thank you for listening to me talk and share my convictions. (laughs) Uh, And I hope to, to be able to do this again.
0: Uh, I would, I would love that. I would love that. I have something uh, that I will speak to you privately about that I'm looking at doing, and I would love for you to be a part of it. That we'll get back to the audience, but for now, I will say this: Thank you, Pastor Danielle Brown, not just for today, but for your life. Thank you. That I have been allowed to be, uh, in the bleachers, um, you know, some sometimes on the main bench with you. And, um, and just watching you do this thing. And, and in, in your becoming, um, you became and you are becoming all at the same time. And it is a joy to watch. So uh, Bloom Podcast listeners, I want to thank you. Um, please feel free uh, to leave us messages about today and what you got. On what you thought, what you want to hear more about. Uh, if you got a question for Pastor Danielle, it, you're just like, I really need to know this. And, and, you know, you just wanted to know more about what she had to say. Also, if you want to know where uh, Shiloh is, could you give us the address of the church?
1: Uh, Shiloh is located at 515 West 4th Street in Plainfield, New Jersey, 07061.
0: <laughs> so if you want to hear, and you want to hear, Pastor Danielle, trust me, you want to hear a preach. You can uh,
1: also find yeah. us online. We stream every Sunday, too. We we have both an in-person and a virtual experience. And so okay. we worship at 9 o'clock okay. on Facebook and YouTube Okay. Shiloh Plainfield.
0: Awesome. <laughs> So, so there you have it, um, you can you can have the virtual experience, and then uh, when times get a little inter- less, less interesting, uh, you may want to come in for the live experience if you're going to be, if you're out of state or if you are further uh, north or south in the state and you want to come uh, to Plainfield and have this experience, we certainly uh, encourage you to do so. Um, but again, Bloom podcast listeners, thank you for your support. Thank you for being here. And I will always invite you. Come on, let's grow together. Thanks, Pastor Danielle.
2: Thank you.